Today's podcast is sponsored by the Mini MBA. The Mini MBA series was created by marketing professor Mark Ritson and it's aimed at every marketer who wants to reach the top of their game. The Mini MBA will help you tackle big challenges, seize big opportunities and perhaps find a big new job. It's designed to give people the tools, language and competence they need to tackle big marketing and business challenges. It takes lessons from the world's top business schools and makes them more flexible, more accessible and more affordable. You'll get a great return on your investment in terms of skills, expertise and confidence in your role. Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. My name's Matt Barker. I'm the Features Editor of Campaign. I'm joined today by reporter Charlotte Rawlings. Hello, Charlotte. Hello. Where's my um, ace? I always get an ace reporter. Have you removed that? No, I have actually, yeah, just, <laughs> just for brevity's sake, really. You know, ace reporter Charlotte Rawlings. Hello, Charlotte. Hello. Now, by the time you're listening to this, deadline for entries to the Campaign Media Awards will have just expired. But fear not, anyone keen to enter should contact Jack Hayden directly. Jack's email is jack.hayden, which is H-A-Y-D-E-N, at haymarket.com. Now, I'm going to be joined a little later by Josh Bullmore. Josh is the Chief Strategy Officer, and Tom Sussman, who's Deputy Chief Strategy Officer at Leo Burnett. They're both going to be discussing the agency's Pop Pulse Research Project and the current state of Britain. Don't worry, it's not going to be too depressing, I promise. The project is based around hope and happily there appears to be a decent amount of that doing the rounds, despite the endless mess outside. What's the current state of Charlotte Rawlings? You're going to wish you didn't ask me that question. <laughs> I've got a list of things. I've got a list of ailments. I'm not very well. I've got a cold, Matt. Mm. Um, it's that time which, of year. Isn't yeah, it? which is like, you know, apologies if I cough or sneeze on the podcast. But I'm on this podcast. So what does that say to you about my work ethic? I've come in despite feeling sick. So I had a really bad earache the other night as well. Really? That can yeah. be quite debilitating, actually, can't it? It can. I was literally saying this morning. Sorry, we're going off the, on a tangent yeah. now. But earaches, I was in agony. I haven't had one in years as well, but yeah. I was in agony. I couldn't sleep. There used to be a wrestler called Mick McManus back in the day, and, and he, one of his catchphrases was, not my ears, not my ears, when someone used to grab yeah, his ears. because I felt his pain the other night. yeah. You're going to Google going... him, yeah. You? Yeah, it's a bit frightening. I'll have you lunch first. Now, before handing over to Josh and Tom, uh, we're going to have a quick chat about some of the big news stories and other content that have caught our eyes this week. There's been quite a lot of fuss about this recent Calvin Klein ad, hasn't there, Charlotte? Yeah, so the Advertising Standards Authority banned a Calvin Klein ad featuring singer FKA Twigs. The singer is shown with a denim shirt draped over her naked body and the placement of the shirt revealed the side of her bum and her breast. So the ASA banned the ad for objectifying women and appearing on an untargeted medium so maybe children would see it, mm-hmm. etc. It's caused a bit of a stir because the singer called out the ASA on Instagram saying, I do not see the stereotypical sexual object that they have labelled me. I see a beautiful strong woman of colour whose incredible body has overcome more pain than you can imagine. She later says that the decision exhibited double standards when compared to other campaigns. So, for example, in our news story, we signposted that the ASA chose not to ban similar ads featuring model Kendall Jenner, which showed her topless and also in her underwear. And then there's also the recent Jeremy Allen White campaign, which we could argue is also highly sexualised. So that's caused people to question whether it was fair to ban the ad. Do you think the ASA are going to 
make any further comment on this? Well, we have a question piece that's probably gone out today, actually, as we're recording this, asking if the ASA need to revisit its rules around gender stereotypes. And we reached out to the ASA for comments, so they have. So if you want to see what the ASA think about that, go and read the piece. It is a fascinating... I mean, I totally get the singer's point, Mm. but it's one of these situations where actually it's almost not up to her, you know, because it's beyond that, isn't it? I suppose the other interesting aspect of all of this is that it's an international campaign, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah, we were were discussing the Jeremy Allen White video Mm. and um, that's not just UK-based, so I don't think the ASA have looked into any complaints on that at the moment. And I know that you say that, like, you know... FKA Twigs, even though she's the subject of the complaints, it's again, it's yeah, it's not up to her. Mm. But equally, I think some people in the question piece have said, well, you know, she has some agency in that shoot, she's happy with it. So surely she's the one who gets to decide whether she's being objectified. And if she doesn't think she's being objectified, then banning it for objectification doesn't really seem to make much sense, does it? No, it is one of those thorny subjects that kind of crops up every. Every, there's like a cycle, isn't there, when, when there's always one actually normally involving Calvin Klein, I've got, I've got to be honest. Oh, really? They'll probably be quite chuffed about this, actually, wouldn't they? Uh, what, that um, people disagree with the fact that it's been banned? Well, just, you know, all publicity is good publicity, I guess. Well, I think in this case it is, because I think quite a few people are siding with Calvin Klein on this one. I think it was like post-feminism and everything, it's like a woman's naked body isn't necessarily objectification. It's someone owning their body. And the ad itself, it's like, it's. I guess you could argue it's relevance to the ad as well. The whole strap line is Calvin's or nothing. And she's got the Calvin Klein denim shirt on and then nothing else. Um, and yeah, so I personally think it didn't need to be banned. I'm not upset seeing a half of a woman's naked body. There wasn't even like much on show in my opinion so it wouldn't offend me but I guess the ASA are thinking you know if a child saw it it might be a little bit too much what do you think there's a bit of that I mean I I, now I'm of a certain age I suppose I totally accept that argument Mm. but I remember you know I I remember way back when Brooke Shields was advertising I think there was Calvin Klein jeans and and the strap line for that was nothing comes between me and my Calvin's yeah you know, and it was called. Cool. Oh, that's naughty. That's good. That that's kind of provocative. Mm. And then, you know, it was Marky Mark, I think, as he was then known, in his sort of bulging underwear and and, mm. and all this sort of stuff. Maybe people don't want to see that when they're waiting for their tube home. I no, know, but... maybe not. But also because it's Calvin Klein, it's like I'm not surprised. Like I see that ad and I'm not like. <gasps> Because it's Calvin Klein, like we're used to seeing that. And mm. I think also with the amount of like, like you said, like bulging underwear with like men, it's like, you know, we see that and it's like, I don't know, we're just used to it now. So yeah. I guess seeing seeing FKA Twig's side boob, it's not really that controversial in my opinion. In the grand scheme of things, given everything that's going on in the world, yeah, I, I, I completely <laughs> take your point. Agree. <laughs> One of my favourite things on the site at the moment is, is a lovely tribute to the late Radio 1 DJ Annie Nightingale, written by Havis London Chief Creative Officer Vicky Maguire. Vicky talks in the piece about how Nightingale was an inspiration for her at a time when few female figures had any real presence or personality in the mainstream media. Vicky writes... As a woman from a working class background with no formal training but an unconditional love of language and communication, Nightingale's determination resonated with me. She once said, if you don't fit, keep on going. It's a great piece and, and um, I'd, I'd definitely recommend a read. Have you got any similar heroes, Charlotte? This is one of those questions where like, if you're put on the spot, you forget every woman to ever exist. Yes. It's a difficult question, but I've got I've, I've noted a few down. But are you going to get annoyed at me if I say Taylor Swift? No, uh, no. <laughs> At least it's not Barbie. <laughs> What's wrong with that? 
Um, but yeah, the, um, Greta Gerwig is actually on my list of. Um, oh, God, yeah. 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 But anyway, so, well, Taylor Swift, honestly, on a serious note, obviously, I know that she's got like a bit of controversy around her carbon footprint. Mm. But that aside, she was the most streamed artist on Spotify last year and she works hard for it. She does treat us with banger after banger, it has to be said. And I've got tickets to see her in the summer and it's all that's keeping me going. So, yeah, Taylor Swift. And then the list goes on Michaela Cole, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Greta Gerwig, Lil Sims, Sally Rooney, Annie Lord, Ash Sarker, loads and loads of women. Which is great. I mean, and, and it totally feeds into Vicky's point, isn't it? Because it does seem bizarre that, that she's talking about a moment which really wasn't that long ago. These people weren't there. These the women weren't there. They weren't given a, you know, there's a, some of the photographs that, that came out just after Annie Nightingale's death and, and, and they would show these Radio 1 DJs and there she is sort of in the middle with mm. a dolly bird skirt and all this sort of thing and, and just shocking really but. yeah i feel like maybe have i been living under a rock or is it just like my my youth that's holding me back because i didn't know who she was no well, which which is fine because as i say times have changed and she was very much kind of of that era really or maybe maybe sort of more of a sort of a 90s period but you know and she was a trailblazer and as all trailblazers you know they blaze their trail and and, and others follow and, and mm. she kind of takes a bit of a back seat i suppose and and um i mean she was I can't remember how old she was when she died, but, you know, she, she had a full life. 83. So. 83, there you See, go. See, I didn't know who she was this morning, and I know when she died. Well, she's worth looking up and finding out more about. The, and, and as I say, do start with Vicky's op-ed, because it's, it's wonderful mm. stuff. Great. Thanks for that, Charlotte. You're welcome. Next Thursday, the 25th of January, Campaign and Pod Pod will be holding the Podcast Advertising Summit at the Barbican Centre. It sounds absolutely brilliant, actually. They've got they've got a headline partner of Spotify Advertising, uh, and it's going to be a live podcast recording from the people behind Goalhanger Podcasts. The rest is series, rest is politics, the rest is football, etc. Gary Lineker, Alistair Campbell, Marina Hyde and Steph McGovern will all be there for this live recording. It's, it should be absolutely brilliant. To find out more, visit Podcast dash advertising dash summit dot podpod.com are you a marketer facing a big challenge or a big opportunity maybe you're moving to a big new job well you need the mini mba i'm mark ritson and i launched the mini mba to pack every little slice of valuable learning into a tiny amount of time it will give you all the tools, all the language, and all the confidence you need to tackle any marketing challenge. That's why we like to say, Mini MBA, major ROI. I'm now going to be joined by Josh Bullmore. Josh is the Chief Strategy Officer at Leo Burnett, and Tom Sussman, and Tom's Deputy CSO at Leo's. Hi, Josh. Hey, Matt. And hello, Tom. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad at all. Now, we're talking the morning after your latest Pop Pulse event, which featured a great panel, ably chaired by you, Josh, and, and wonderfully introduced by you, Tom. And Alistair Campbell was on there, Romal London and Dr. Julie Smith. All of them had some, some really interesting points to make about the current state of the nation ahead of what's going to be a very crucial year, uh, not just in this country, but across the world, really. Did you both enjoy it? Loved it. Yeah. Really? Quite, I mean, you can probably hear the croakiness in my voice. Definitely enjoyed it, probably for too long. It was great to have that. It was really broad, diverse panel. We had Alistair with his political nous. Mel mm. has got loads of youth culture insights. He's a presenter on Capital Extra. And then Dr. Julie started off in her shed in her back garden doing internet videos as a, a psychologist. And then that turns into 2022's best-selling book, Why Did No One Tell Me This Before?, all sorts of mental health tips. So to kind of triangulate 
where the nation is at right now, they work brilliantly together. You never know how chemistry is going to go, but they seem to get on well, didn't they? Yeah, it was, it was good chat, wasn't it? I've never seen three more different sorts of communicators, but they all got on really well. I think particularly seeing Ramel and Alistair sort of violently angry on things was really interesting. It was quite a cross-generational discussion that started. But yeah, it was great. It was really fun. And I think that the hallmark I always think of PopFest is... They're always big subjects we take on, but it is always fun. You come out of there feeling so, you know, that it was light and uplifting. And I thought, yeah, last night was Popfest at its best. He's got quite cuddly now, hasn't he, Alistair Campbell, I have to say. Surprisingly so. He got there a little while beforehand and he's such an affable, friendly raconteur. I was amazed. <laughs> I wonder whether having a second act in life as the UK's top podcaster and hugely influential figure from outside Westminster will do that to you. I certainly hope we all may have a kind of affable later life. Tom, I don't know, what would yours be? I hope I am more affable in the second half of my life. I think, yeah, he had a kind of like uncle-like quality. He even patted me on the shoulder, sort of ruffled hair well done afterwards. It was terrible. I was very starstruck. But yeah, he was lovely. He really was lovely. I think still there was quite an impressive edge to him too as well. I wouldn't. I wouldn't cross the dark lord of uh, politics, Alistair Campbell. No, no I, th- I think I think you could draw a parallel with um, Roy Keane there, actually, couldn't you? He's very, uh, very, very similar characters, possibly. Now, Pop Pulse was launched last year. Is is, is that correct? That's right. So, what was the thinking behind it? Because it's it basically, I think Tom, I think you described it yesterday as a research tool, didn't you? Is that pretty much accurate? Yeah, we call it a research platform. Um, it's something we you know, intend to run and run. We've done two waves off the back of it now, two waves of research, and we'll do more this year. So it's it's something which is really rare to say as an agency that it's all our own. It is our own platform, our own IP, and we'll continue to do it partly funded by our clients. And I think the backdrop to it, as we were banging on about last night, Matt, mm. is I think Fair to say that as an industry, Adlan does tend to operate in a bit of a bubble inside the M25, people who often look alike talking to each other. And so we're always on the lookout for ways to pop that bubble and I guess keep our finger on the pulse uh, of what the nation is feeling. And you can see how we brought those two concepts together, Matt, in the name <laughs> Pop Pulse. So that's, that's what it is, really. It's just a way of us on behalf of our clients keeping fingers on the emotional pulse. Yeah. And the current research is under the ban of Coping to Hoping, which I think is a, a brilliant title, actually. And, and there, was, there was quite a range of input, wasn't there? Yeah. I mean, it's a fairly unique platform in that respect. So no shade on anyone. There's been lots of lovely State of the Nation pieces from other agencies. I think the thing we were trying to avoid with this one was, I guess, our own middle-class bias getting involved. We didn't want that and we didn't want any hand-wringing or, or looking down on our audience, which is the whole nation. So to get around all of that, we came up with a new methodology, which we're listening to the listeners. So a panel, primarily, of people who every day have dozens of emotionally honest and open conversations with people around the country as part of their day jobs. So hairdressers, cab drivers, beauticians, you name it. And on top of that, that's then corroborated. So that gives us the core of our thinking. And then we double check it, essentially, with a panel of people experts. So anthropologists, 
lists. Traditional groups, got to do those. And we have quant as well. So yeah, a range of different inputs, but right at the heart of it is this listening to listeners approach. Mm -hmm. And and what can you tell us about the findings? Did any sort of patterns emerge? Was there a, I mean, we sort of mentioned about last night's events and there was a lovely energy and and lots of talk and um, there was a sense of optimism you know, it, it, it's a complete shit show out there, but it, there was still a sense of optimism, wasn't there? Yeah, that was the first thing we noticed, actually, which is we went in imagining State of the Nation was going to be a fairly dismal state and everyone was going to be pretty depressed. Because that's what we'd seen in other reports. And yeah, there was a bit of that. But what we found really quickly was, firstly, it wasn't all screwed up and depressing. People were coping with it. People were trying to put one foot in front of the other. And actually, they were pretty good at it, right? So they'd had practice. Life is hard. And it was just a normal part of their everyday lives to cope with the blows that came their way. So it was more positive initially than we'd seen anywhere else. And then the second thing was, through the course of last year, we saw the atmosphere change slightly. So as you say in the title, like, Initially, people were just focusing on making ends meet and coping, getting, you know, keeping their show on the road. Um, by the end of the year, and, and now people are starting to hope a little bit more for brighter days ahead. I think no one could imagine that before, and I think people are starting to imagine it now. So we found essentially that things were a lot brighter than we had imagined, and it's only that's only increased over the month. So, you know, fingers crossed for more of that ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, Josh, you've, you've spoken about this in one of your regular strategy columns for us. Um, you, you wrote one last year under the headline, People Need Help, Not Purpose Signalling. That's available to read on the site, so, so do please jump on and, and read it after listening to this. But it's kind of a fine line, isn't it? Do people really trust brands that much? Or you know, the bubble, the Adland bubble that you mentioned there, are, are, we, are we kind of overestimating the power of brands? Yeah, that's a great reality check. Matt, because we are always at risk of overestimating the importance of what we do in other people's lives, because people spend their lives trying to avoid most of what we do. I think it's relative, actually. It's relative because no, they don't trust brands all that much. But the thing is, what we've heard is they trust them a little bit more than other institutions. So the world of politics and Westminster, the media, trust in those has declined and people are now ready to see that businesses or brands as we talk about them can and will step up and and do things for them they think is helpful and i think the ways that the best businesses and brands turned up during covid prepared people for that but they also gave some clues on how to do it as well because big finding that we heard and again I like you pointing people to read that piece on <laughs> online I would thoroughly endorse it as well Matt I think there's a finding that we called out in that which is don't care help people really don't want to see brands turning up and saying we get it we know how tough it is they want people to just turn up and help and help doesn't need to be just discounts and offering financial value It can be all sorts of forms of different emotional help. And I think unpacking the value of, for instance, raising a bit of a smile in tough times, that counts as help and people recognise and value that as well. A bit of escapism, a bit of fun, a bit of lightness. That is really appreciated by people right now. And that is what our industry at its best can deliver. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're also having this moment 
and I don't know if it's something to do with the new year. It, it probably is because we like things in sort of neat time packages, don't we? But this sense that 2024 is going to be about return to humour, that people want that lightness of touch again, perhaps. They don't want the grim messaging so much. Does, does that kind of dovetail with some of your findings from this research? It totally does. We saw it in the work last year around how people are coping. And that was that they're looking for brands to share a bit of a smile. And that holds true through to this year as well. I think you saw that at Christmas, didn't you? I think the Christmas advertising, our Super Bowl moment, lots of brands were looking to raise a smile and certainly a lot of our brands and work. So we had McDonald's, the Raise Your Arches Christmas edition. We had Oven Gloves singing Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now for Morrison's. Tui seeing how elves spend their Christmas once their work is done. That was all out and out humour and entertainment. And we look forward to the year ahead. People are really responding to that way of brands turning up. It's obviously not right for all brands all the time, but I think that lightness is all important. As an industry, we can be at risk of taking ourselves too seriously. Our findings are that people beyond the M25 like us best when we turn up to raise a smile. Absolutely. And Leo's as an agency kind of anchors itself very much around this populist creativity approach, doesn't it? Is this something that grows out of this research? I mean, again, you you wrote another lovely op-ed. Again, it's available on the site, and I, I would direct you to that after after listening to this. But about reclaiming the word populism, you know, from the bad guys out there at the moment. Absolutely, I think I think it's probably about five years ago that we decided to put the thought of populist creativity at the heart of the agency proposition. And as I said in that wonderful piece that you referred to, I I think what we found then is that a lot of people were trying to talk us out of doing it because populism or populist had, it was a bit of a dirty word. It had negative connotations, not just because uh, a certain Donald Trump was around at the time, but also because we heard creative directors elsewhere in the industry saying, actually... My teams, myself, sometimes how they're bonused relies on how much I can appeal to people in awards jury rooms, not out in the nation. And I'm not sure people are going to buy into this, but we were really pleased. Clients didn't respond to it in that way at all. They saw it for how we meant it, which is big, unashamedly entertaining communications for the nation without deliberately rhyming. And they responded to it with with the right spirit. And I think it's been really interesting to see how lots of agencies have started to use it as a shorthand for their work. And I think one of the concerns we have, we've seen Trump's dominance in the early showings of the election over the last couple of days and populism. Again, does it mean that people will start to steer away from it as a word and as a way of approaching the world? We, We think they shouldn't because creative populism, which is nearly always more progressive populism has very little to do with Donald Trump and everything Mm. to do with turning up for the nation as a whole and giving people what they need and want from brands right now. Absolutely. One final question, where where do we go from here? What's next? I suppose there's two questions really because one is directed at your research and at Pop Pulse but also in a more general term. I know a couple of moments last night during, during the sort of panel discussion all came from Alistair Campbell, really, but this sense of it's, it's quite a daunting year, isn't it? He was saying that there's going to be this year we'll see more people voting than ever before, not just in the UK, but around the world. America, obviously, India, I think, to the EU as well. He said everything could change. 
I get the sense things <laughs> things probably won't change that much, but it, it it does feel like this this you know this this could be a big historical year, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be really unwise to <laughs> predict anything this year with much confidence. I mean, if anything, we've been taught anything for the last three years. I mean, who knows, right? Who knows what might happen tomorrow? For pop polls, I can talk about that. Mm. I mean, we will do we will do more. It's been really exciting because we thought we were onto something good and our brilliant um, client partners at McDonald's have been in on it with us from day one. Other clients are now showing interest and want to get involved too. So there will be more pop polls and that will continue to grow and grow. Um, and I, my immediate prediction if I was going to be really unwise about what happens next, I think we'll just see a continuation of this hope that we've identified in the in the last wave. I hope, unless obviously there's massive global events that get in the way of that. We talked a bit last night how people are struggling to see aspirations and ambitions for themselves because they don't know what happens next. So they're finding pride by proxy. So pride and stuff outside of themselves. And I think we can be fairly certain that the Olympics this year will be very important for that. So British people finding a great deal of pride in our athletes as they turn up to the athletics track this summer. I think that's going to be a really big moment for this country. Yeah, but I think that's about as far as I would go with predicting anything because you just don't know anymore. It is another year with lots of big national moments in this country and beyond, like the Olympics, like elections. And we've seen how important they are in the national psyche over the last few years. Out of the back of COVID, there was a really interesting insight from one of the anthropologists in the last round of Hot Pulse that any time we experience some difficulty or crisis change, you look back to the last time we experienced that for a model for how to respond. And responding communally was obviously how people in part got through the pandemic. And so people are really gravitating towards shared experiences. So I think they will really lean in to the Olympics. Return to shared viewing on a Saturday night as well. We're seeing how much escapist entertainment that you know other people are watching. I've been glued to the traitors over the last couple of weeks. Those sorts of shared experience, whether it's escapist or actually starting to take some steps to sort some of the challenges we face out, I think it's really exciting that people are looking at how they can do that together. Yeah, I mean, don't forget uh, Gladiators is back on TV now. Well, true. I mean, come on. I, every time I try to watch something serious at the moment, I end up watching something like Gladiators. I think... Josh is right, escapist television. I mean, I think we can be absolutely certain that will continue to be a thing. Gladiators and first dates. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's always my... Uh... The Olympics, I know it's going to be like this multinational cash cow and all the rest of it, but I still believe in it. I still love the romance of it. You know, the, the sort of the pole vaulting plumber, whatever it is, you know, the idea of local heroes. I think it, it's, it is going to be really important. I think that's the lovely thing about the Olympics, isn't it? Mm. Um, and we all feel like we've got a stake in it we work with the the national lottery which literally has a stake and through things like the national lottery we all help fund those athletes and turn those plumbers into pole vaulters so it is a moment tom you were talking about pride by proxy it really is a moment that we can all take some pride by proxy in what people can achieve away from some of the cynicism of the political world so mm. i too like look forward to it uh, and can't wait brilliant stuff wonderful congrats again on, on, on another great event and, and some fascinating research as well and um, lovely chatting to you Tom and Josh 
and uh, see you soon, I hope. Thanks. See, you soon. see you soon. Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much for having us. If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Nav Powell and to producer Till Owen. And also to you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye.